Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Hello, hello. I have missed you guys. And I'm also happy that I took a little bit of a break, a little bit of a summer vacation for my podcast, which I will be fully transparent with you. I had a lot of guilt about initially. I was feeling like I was burnt out. I needed to create some space. My family and I are staying in our camper and it was hard for me to record. And I officially just said, finally, I am going to continue to practice what I preach and take some time off. And it's been really great. And so I am back with you this week for a really exciting guest who has a book coming out launching next week. And I met Dr. Amaka Namani at the Women Physician Wellness Conference back in May in Aruba. And we were sitting at the same table and immediately I was drawn to her energy and her presence and just could tell she had a really beautiful soul. And she's a pediatrician in Pennsylvania and she is a fierce breastfeeding advocate. And her children's book that she wrote is all about breastfeeding and it's written from the point of view of a six-year-old big sister. So I can't wait for you to learn more about Amaka. She's truly a special person. And please check out her book and find her on social media. And I can't wait to hear more about how your summer is going. So as always, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message on Instagram or email me. And be sure to get on my email list where I send you the updates about what my crazy life and family is up to. And also some really great tips about overcoming self-doubt. So without further ado, here we go. Hello, hello. I'm so glad to have you here with me. How are you? I am well. I am even more glad to be here with you. <laughs> yes. So I in the in the intro I just recorded, I was reminiscing about how we met at women at a conference, totally random. And I just love that story so much because I think it was the last day, right? Where we met. I don't know how I don't even remember how we got to talking, but I just feel like we were definitely it was definitely divine intervention that we met. And here we are several months later talking and you're going to tell us all about imposter syndrome and what you've gone through with regard to self-doubt and imposter syndrome. Fabulous. I'm excited. Yeah. So where do you want to start? I mean, start wherever it makes the most sense to you. Like, is that something, is self-doubt and imposter syndrome something that you have dealt with or you feel like you've been, it hasn't really held you back at all? Just tell me all the things. Yeah, sure. So I'll start by telling you, I guess, a little bit more about myself. So I am a wife and a mom to three children, 10, 8, and 2. So, you know, hashtag busy mom life. I actually, so I was born in Houston, but I grew up in Nigeria up until I was about age 16. And then we moved back, well, when I say we, my sister and I moved back to the U.S. Um, after high school, I, I was 15 at the time, um, started off college and, you know, so med school, so college, med school, residency, all that fun stuff. And so, you know, my journey up until this point has been, you know, when I look back, it's definitely been, you know, not an easy one, but, but very, I would say amazing. It's definitely been a lot of great so back in December, I, so I'm a general pediatrician and I'm in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And back in December of last year, I made a difficult decision to quit my job as an outpatient pediatrician. 
it was a very difficult decision for me at the time because I really loved my job. Like I loved the people that I worked with. I loved my patients, but I constantly felt like I was being like tugged in different directions, especially with the pandemic. I think it kind of happened to a lot of moms, a lot of us, you know, kind of getting like a reality check. And also having like a toddler or an infant. And the, well, he was a toddler at the time back in 2021. And not really having any child care. My husband was working full time. I just decided, you know what? I am going to just take a break, like just a mental break and decide um, after that just kind of w- what happens. So my husband was working full time and, you know, we didn't really have any extra help with child care. So I decided, you know, I, I really wanted to be, spend more time with my kids. And, and I just I felt like I couldn't give my all to everything all at once. So I took, you know, I took kind of the month of December off and, and we had a lot of family in town. So that was fun. And then, you know, by like early, like February, I was like, you know, I, I probably should start doing something. I guess, you know, the type A in us as physicians, it was like barely four weeks. And I'm like, mm-hmm, let's, let's see what's next in life, you know? So I come from a family of creatives, really. Uh, so I have four siblings, all of which, all of whom either draw or write, even though they're like engineers and psychologists, you know, in terms of their background. But I just never, never saw myself as a creative, really. So I'm a doctor, like that part, you know, that side of my brain is kind of like, you know, dormant or something. But I kind of always express my creativity, I guess, in like fashion. Fashion something that I truly enjoy, and I get that from my mom. So I was like, you know, I've got to have it in me somehow. And I decided, you know, I'll just kind of take up writing and see where I go with this. And I took a class through my public library. It was free. And I really liked it. And so I, I did a boot camp, like a children's writing boot camp, um, for about five days and I really so I actually came up with a draft at the end of those five days and then I remember like naturally now in retrospect my 10 year old swears I've told her I always wanted to write a book I have no recollection of this um, but apparently I said it at some point in my life so you know as a physician being a, I guess you know kind of being a writer or an author now it's 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 really exciting I definitely definitely have have had imposter syndrome that's that's definitely has come up a lot it still does specifically not just i think i I might be a little confident or somewhat confident in in terms of my writing it's always kind of something i've enjoyed right from high school but i think even just specifically with breastfeeding because yes i'm a i'm a yes i'm a pediatrician yes i am a yes i'm a mom of three and thankfully breastfed successfully breastfed all three of my children but I know there are women who've been doing this for legit like 30, 40 years. And I'm like, so, so why me? Like, I, I don't know enough about the subject to be like, you know, like a, a, a powerhouse or something, like the breastfeeding lady, you know, because there's so many other women that are, that are definitely more knowledgeable than me. Like, I know that there are people who I look up to and who I've learned so much from. So a, a lot of times I find myself questioning myself, like, so why, like, why me? I remember my sister-in-law making a joke. She was like, I, I don't know who else I could imagine doing this besides you. Like, you, it, it, you have, I remember she, tell, she told me, you have the whole package. Like, you're passionate. You've lived the life. And you have the knowledge. So just, just do it. Just, just believe in yourself. And I think remembering words like that definitely, definitely helped me. But also, like, my family, you know, like, I think just being a mom and having 
kids, you know, like young kids, like ten year olds and eight year olds. Like my eight year old is like, I mean, I'm 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 perfection. Like mommy couldn't get it wrong. Like I'm just I'm just great, however I am, you know. Um, but yeah, it's something that I struggle with still, you know, especially with the launch coming up on, you know, on August 27th for my book. It's like, oh my gosh, like, I, hopefully I got it all right. Hopefully I didn't mess it up. Hopefully this, hopefully that, you know, still, still, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of concern there. But I know that one thing I know is I put my everything into it, which is what I do with everything that I do in my life is I, I'm either in or out. There's no gray area for me. And I know that I, I put my everything and hopefully, hopefully the results show. And, you know, whatever happens, I enjoyed this process. I actually um, worked on this project with my 10 year old daughter. We pretty much co-watch. It was like my critique group all in one. Mm-hmm. And everything. So it was a really, really beautiful journey. And, and um, I'm very grateful for it. Well, that's such an in- inspiring story. And I, I want to pull on a few strings that you mentioned that I thought were really fascinating and oh, can resonate with so many. The first is that you took a class on writing. And I just think that's so funny, like in an, an adorable way, because this is how doctors are, right? It's like, how many decades of schooling did you go through? And then you still thought you needed to take a class on how to write a book. And I just think that is so typical for physicians. Like we are constantly trying to just, we are love learning, but sometimes it can be to our detriment. I know for me, it was like, I just wanted to take all these courses about whatever, because I don't, I didn't trust my own instincts. And probably like you said, you'd been writing since you were a teenager that you probably, I mean, it was probably useful to some degree, but I bet that you know how to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. We'll find out. (laughs) You did it. You figured it out. So that's one thing. And the other thing which is really, really common is you felt this, well, if I'm not like the be all end all powerhouse breastfeeding expert in the whole wide world, then who am I to write a book on breastfeeding? And this is so common, right? When it doesn't matter that you're a pediatrician and a mom of three who breastfed, like that's basically an expert in my book and in the book of many other women, especially someone who doesn't have any kids, would like to breastfeed and doesn't know the first thing about it and is not a doctor, but we're constantly minimizing our own qualifications. That's absolutely right. You couldn't have said that any better because you really couldn't have. That's just hit it on the ball and the money. I also want to mention how you left your job because that's really important that I want to kind of, you just kind of glossed over that, but we'll go back to that in a little bit, but when you were working on the book, you had the initial thought about, I want to write a book. How did you get over the other thoughts that come up about who are you to do that? Like, what did you do to push past those thoughts to do it anyway? I prayed. I'm not even, I'm not even, there is no other answer that I have. I'm a Christian and honestly, or minor moves that I make, like my, my husband legit makes fun of me sometimes. (laughs) Uh, I'm not even joking. He's like, honey, thank God you don't do voodoo or something because you're always looking for signs and wonders like somewhere. <laughs> like, but I know how God speaks to me, honey. Like, this is, I know it. Like, I know my God and my God knows me and, and I know it. So I will say that's really number one, number two, number three. That's usually what I do is I pray. And when I don't make any move in my life without having 
the 100% assurance that this is God's will for my life. Like that is just, that's just mm-hmm. how it's been from like medical school. I mean, if I tell you how I ended up as a pe- like choosing pediatrics, I mean, you may not believe me. Like it might seem really, really silly. It's really, it's a really short, I'll, I'll make, I'll give a short version. Okay. So I mean, medical school, you know, it was really great. I, I loved internal medicine. Like I, I thought I was going to be like an intern. If that was my goal, um, because I loved the medicine. I loved the attending. Like this is so much fun, but I also kind of liked pediatrics. I'm not even going to tell, I'm not even going to lie. I, I enjoyed internal medicine more than I did pediatrics as, as a, as a med student, but come like, you know, when it was time to decide, okay, literally on the, on the, on the deadline, I was literally sitting in front of my computer trying to figure out, okay, I have to choose between medicine, med peds, or peds. Like, those were my options. And I kid you not, Kristen. Like, I, I cannot lie to you. In that moment, I, I had my stethoscope right beside me, and I realized, as weird as it sounds, that the entire time in medical school, I had a pediatric stethoscope, and I didn't know it. <laughs> I felt like that is the sign, Amaka, that is God speaking to you. You are going to apply for pediatrics residency. In my mind, it was done. And now, several years years later, I I could not imagine myself doing anything else. And I mean that literally, like, I will do pediatrics in my next life and in the next and in the next. Mm-hmm. Like I, this is my calling. Like I have no doubt in my life that this is what I was called to do. Like this is my, this is, this is my mission. Like well, uh, part of mm-hmm. my mission on earth, you know? So to answer your question, that is pretty much a lot of times how I get through my doubts. And then it's also helpful that I have a great support system in terms of family and friends who truly believe in me, who, mm-hmm. um, who don't let me go too far off with those doubts, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they'll be honest with me. Like I'm not perfect, obviously. So if they know there's something that's not my strength, hmm, maybe you should outsource this, Amaka, you know? Um, but with those that are like, yeah, you got this girl, like do not second guess yourself. That definitely goes a long, long way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think that prayer is so powerful. And I think that a lot of physicians c- can resonate with that. And even if there's not, even if, you someone can't from a religious standpoint get that i think what's what you can glean from that is it's more about an intuition or a feeling than it is about logic and i found the same in my life where my brain is never going to spontaneously offer me joyful thoughts Hmm. you know what I mean and this is something I talk to my clients a lot about like Hmm. sitting around waiting for our brains to tell us things that are nice and flowery and wonderful like that's not happening (laughs) it's not the job of our brain so what I have what really has worked for me is that the feeling in my body whether I whether it's whether you you perceive that as you know God's calling or intuition it, it it's 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 more than logic right? Which is almost never going to tell you anything useful. It's always something bigger than that, that feels truer than that, for Absolutely. sure. Yeah, I 100% yeah. agree with you. So let's go back to December when you decided to leave your job because, and this is the point I want to, I know this is probably a long story, but the point I would love for you to talk about specifically is the identity situation, because we are raised to become physicians and it's as if all our other identities 
matter less. At least mm-hmm. that's what many physicians feel. And then when we become attendings and we have families or, or partners and it's a, it's a real battle because we feel like we're more than that. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how did you navigate your identity as a physician and your identity as a wife and mother? That's a great, great question. Kristen. That's a really good question. You know, so I'll be honest in saying that before I, you know, right out of residency, I was honest with myself. Like, first of all, I, I know at the time that I did not want to take a job that was going to involve me compromising a lot of my time as a family mom, uh, as, a, as a mom and as a wife. I knew that off the back. So being a, a, a hospitalist was kind of out of the question for me at the time because I knew it would involve like long hours. Yes, I may do like one week on, one week off. But it was like when I was on, I was really on. So I know myself, like I, I, like I really love being with my family. So it was important to me that I wasn't gone like 12 hours at a time or 14 hours at a time. Like, it's like that, you know, that's residency is done. Like I'm not doing that. Like I'll take a pay cut, but but the quality of life was very important to me. And so I actually I actually had that in the first, you know, like and my like I said, I really loved my uh, co-workers. What I did not like was, you know, everything that happened behind the scenes um, in terms of, um, you know, the, the numbers game. It was like, you know, just it was having to just keep up. You know, and it just was it wasn't enough. I felt like I did my like I know I did my best like as a as a person, as a physician, as as you know, I, I know that I gave my all to my patients. So it was it was that that I did not enjoy and I couldn't I, I, I didn't have peace with it. You know, I, I came to a point where I was like I'm not really an anxious person by nature. But I was becoming that, like, I would hear, like, a ding, like, you know, when you get the email notification, and, like, my heart would skip a beat, like, oh, mm. what did I do now? Like, you know, did I not see enough patients today? Um, is my salary going to get cut? You know, it was just, I, I got to that point where I just was never, I was not at peace. And I was like, no, like, this cannot be, again, this can't be God's plan for my life. And I kind of ignored that for a long time because I was like you know I'm not just you're not seeing it like in my mind I told myself you're really not seeing enough like your your colleagues are seeing a lot more you know they're seeing more 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 patients so you maybe you just gotta you just gotta do more like you just but I, like I would ask like what, what can I do like what it was just all these lists of things that I just I was like wow like that's a lot to do like as a mom and to keep up with all these things and so I, I literally just woke up one day and I was like you know what like it, I think it's time to let go and it was a very hard decision and even as I typed that email you know putting in my notice it, it was I mean, before I hit the send button, like my tear, tears welled up in my eyes. Like it wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't like, oh yeah, like this place sucks. Like I don't want to be here. It was not that at all, you know. And I, I had my colleagues ask, like, why can't you just go part time? You know, like you could just have that life that you want. But it, for me, it wasn't that because I felt like even if I went part time, it still would not have been enough. Like I would still be, play this game that I just felt like it was not me. Like I, I wanted to be able to give my all to my patients and not be seen as just like another number. Um, so that was the hardest part for me. So in terms of like how I, I, I navigated that identity, like, you know, just kind of figuring that out. 
I think I, I, I feel like I kind of always knew what I wanted in terms of that, like specifically. So it wasn't that hard for me to navigate. It was just making the decision to kind of remove myself from, from, from this job that I loved so much. And I mean, I, I mean, really, I, I live in a small town, so I still see my patients sometimes and they'll call, hey, that girl, or I even have like, you know, you know, who would like, like who were, became like friends before who would text me and say, Hey, have you opened your practice yet? Cause we're waiting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like things like that. That I'm like, Oh my gosh, I miss, I miss, I miss, I really miss my kiddos. But, but yeah, I think just navigating, navigating that was not as hard as just making the decision to just set that, those boundaries and realize, okay, this, the time for this is like time's up for it. And it's time to open another chapter of your life that was the hardest part. Yeah, that's really, you make it sound really easy. I think even even recognizing the challenge, but having recently gone through this myself, I just mm-hmm. want to point out the, what you said was so perfect because making the decision is the hard part. Like honoring, yeah. Yeah. honoring what you know to be true for you yeah. in your soul that's the easy part. Like, you know, when you know you have to change, it's, it's not knowing that's the hard part. It's exactly. actually following through with it. That's hard in medicine. Exactly. And, I, and I think because it feels wrong in, if you, from an outsider perspective, because so few of us are doing that. We just, you know, buckle up and then resent our jobs. And then we eventually quit medicine altogether. So what I think what you did was so beautiful because you, you, there was, you created space in there. Like you recognized, I I'm, I'm getting anxiety over a ding. Yeah. We all have that feeling. It's like, I feel like I'm, am I going to get fired? Am I going to get in trouble? Yeah. What kind of patient review am I having now? Yep. But so many of us identify with those thoughts as ours. Mm-hmm. And it seems like what you were successfully able to do is recognize that that's not your true nature. Yep. And it's not the true nature of any of us. It's just that it feels like it is because that's the water we live in. Exactly. It's like become the new normal. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the example that you provide for people is, hey, wait a minute maybe this isn't my normal either. Yeah. And what is my heart calling me to? Cause that's the, when you know, you know. Yeah, that's exactly right. When you know, you absolutely know. You just got to listen to that still yep. small voice mm-hmm. that's just that's nudging you and say, you know what? Maybe it's just time to let go. It's never really yeah. an easy decision. No, it's never, it's absolutely never easy, but that's what makes it so rewarding. And, and you know what, Kristen, even after I made that decision, <laughs> my husband kind of like laughed at me. Like I remember in the days following, I was like, you know what, honey, I think they might call me back. Like they're going to miss me so much. Like the Dr. L is not there anymore. Like they're going to be like, after like two weeks, they might just like change their mind. Like I truly believe that. Mm. I was like, hmm, funny. Okay, I, I really don't think that's gonna happen. But you know, hey, let's see if, if that helps you sleep at night. Sure, mm. he didn't say it like that, but you know, so it, it was even after making that decision. I think it took me a, a maybe like a good, I would say a good month to, to really come to accept that that okay, yeah. this this was this was like for real. And then we literally like in February, um, 
that was when I began to entertain the thoughts of writing. And, and my first draft, actually, I wouldn't say my first draft, because the first, so I don't know if I'm, if I'm going ahead of myself here talking about the book. And, and no, talk about how it. Started. Yeah, okay. that was my next question. Yeah. Oh yeah, so so um so I told my daughter. So I have I have two daughters and a son, right? So my ten year old, she's a sweet girl, but she's also a very honest person. So she'll keep it real. My eight year old will tell you, "Mommy, it's okay. You're perfect. You don't need to work out. Like you're great." My ten year old would say, "Mommy, I think you're stressing out. Maybe you need to work out. Like maybe you just need to get your mind in the right place." Like she'll say it in a sweet way, but she she'll keep it real. So. I told her, I told them, you know, guys, I think I want to write a children's book on breastfeeding. And my eight-year-old was like, yeah, that's so cool, mom. And my 10-year-old goes, hmm, no offense, mom. Literally, this, these were her words. No offense, mom. But, like, I understand why kids want to know about, like, brushing their teeth and eating vegetables. But why does a child want to know about breastfeeding? Like, why do they care to know? And I'll be honest, in that moment, I did not know why. I just knew... I mean, breastfeeding is really cool. Like, everybody in the world should know about this. Everyone should care. Like, this is my mission. But I didn't know, like, how to make it relevant to a child or why a child really has to know. So I had to go delve deep. Like, it took me a few days. And I figured it out a few days later. And I called my daughter again. I was like, Amara, I think I got it. So I was like, you know how you, you and Ola have only seen me, like, breastfeed? Like, you guys, like, Ola, who's eight, doesn't really know what formula is. Um, you maybe have seen it a couple of times, but you know, that's not the normal for a lot of kids, especially, you know, in the area where I practice, a lot of kids just see like formula as the normal with, with a baby, like shoving or having a baby have a, and there's nothing wrong with formula. Um, hopefully I, I'm making that clear, but I realized I wanted to normalize breastfeeding for our next generation of kids. Like, um, in our, in our society, we've sexualized the breast so much that it's just, you know, you just see breasts and even as kids, they like, you know, they look away. But I want kids to know this is a source of nutrition. This is the first nutrition a child gets. This is a mother sustaining her baby's life, literally. Like there's so many benefits to that. So I wanted to empower like our next generation of girls to make sure, like to, to, to know, have them know all the benefits of breastfeeding and how amazing their body is or their bodies are and, and, and how, like, what it does in, 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 in birthing a child, but also sustaining a child's life. Um, but I also, so I also wanted to educate. So I wanted to empower, educate, but I also wanted to do it in an entertaining way. So I came up with pretty much like my three E's, which I, I well, I can now call it my three E's, like empower, educate, entertain. Um, then Amara got on board with me. She was like, mommy, you got it. And so weeks later, like every day we would kind of like brainstorm because I, I didn't really know exactly what, how I wanted to go about this. And so I remember it was February 24th. Um, it was a cold winter night here in Pennsylvania and I was making mac and cheese for dinner. And then Amara started talking about her idea for the book. And I said, Amara, hold that thought. Uh, get a pen, get a piece of paper, write those thoughts down. And she did. I actually, if you go on my website, it actually I have a snapshot of Amara's first draft. Um, oh. on there the story has changed a lot since then but that was our first draft uh, I think it was maybe two or three weeks later I had a conference um, about two hours away and so I decided to like spend the night so I can just kind of get my brain right and I knew I wanted to kind of work on, on, my, on my manuscript or on a draft 
and at the end of that, I came up with like a proper, like proper draft. And then I took my writing class for about five days. And like the script was really like formed. Uh, again, a lot has changed. Amara and I like have brainstormed. And like I said, I honestly didn't make any major decisions with this book without consulting Amara. This book was supposed to have two characters, Zara and Zoe. Right now with Ziora, we kind of had to X out her best friend because it was complicating the storyline. Amara, did not, she still does not find it funny. So I, I told Amara, well, if we do really well with this book, maybe we can come up with a chapter book series and then maybe Zoe can make a comeback. And, and that's how we'll kind of compromise there. Um, she, the illustrations, we worked on it together. She's very, she's actually a lot more creative than I am. A lot, lot more. Because she's an avid reader. So she and she has a very imaginative mind. So she sees things that I don't really pay attention to. So I pay attention to different kinds of things that she does. And so things she'll say, like she'll she'll be like, I remember like so my, my character actually she goes into like uh, a fantasy world called Milky White, which is a cold world, where she meets with her pediatrician, and they go through different stops and learn all these fun facts about breastfeeding. So when she arrives there, she's looking shocked. Well, she's just gotten to this cold world. She should look like she's cold. Like little subtle things like that that I honestly mm-hmm. don't necessarily pay attention to, she would. So yeah, it's it's definitely been an amazing journey. It, it has been. I'm so grateful to have to have like my daughters and, and, and my son and my husband and, and all like my family and friends who have really, really, really supported me majorly throughout this journey. I love that. I love the story and I can't wait to check out your website and the book and everything. So can you, what's the name of your book? Sure. It's called Zora's Quest, Mommy's Milk Rocks. Zora's so Zora. Yeah, Zora's Quest. So Zora actually is a Nigerian name. Um, so as I as I mentioned earlier, I, I I'm Nigerian, and Zora means show the world. Oh. Uh, so the the full name is Zorachi, Zorachi, which means show the world, shows God to the world. But the shortened form of it is Zora, and Zora itself means show the world. So in my book, my main character Zora actually like in two of so two of the of the scenes. She wears like bright colors. So she's, she's like a happy, sweet girl. And she wears, so I kind of bring in my culture into the book. Mm. So she wears um, the fabric called Ankara, which is unique to the West African um, people. And it's known for its bright, happy colors. So that was, in addition to her name, bringing in like that material, that, that fabric is a way that I kind of bring in my culture into the book. So she's actually going to have a fashion line um, dresses like on the website in the next couple of days, hopefully, and on my launch day. Um, so people can kind of celebrate the African culture with me as well. Oh my gosh. I love that. And pe- <laughs> where can people get your book when it comes out on the 27th? Yes, so it will be available on my web, so um, on Amazon, and so and it will be in all major retail store, major bookstores, but also on my website, um, www.dr. So dramakatnamani.com, D-R-A-M-A-K-A-N-N-A-M-A-N-I.com, and there are links to, um, there will be links to the Amazon page um, by the end of this week. Oh, good. Um, it has been so nice to talk to you. Um, everyone go get this book and tell all of your other pediatrician and OBGYN friends. I'm yeah. definitely going to have a copy in my office. Yay. Um, Buy one for a friend, a neighbor. Yeah. It's a great gift to give 
you know, for a baby shower, you know, celebrating a one-year milestone. Um, for birthing hospitals, it's a good thing to have, like, you know, as, as mom goes, it's, you know, I, I, I kind of touch on the subject of social-emotional, like, learning with, with a big sister, because Zior is a big sister who wished for a baby sister, but then realizes, well, being a big sister isn't quite as fun as I thought it was going to be, <laughs> so we talk about that a little bit, but also about all the fun things that, that, that breast milk is and does, so, yeah. That's great. Well, good luck to you. And we'll have to have you back on um, in a few months and, and check out how you're doing. I would be honored. Hey there. Just wanted to take some quick time here to let you know that if you have been thinking about doing a podcast and it feels really overwhelming and you like the idea of podcasting, but the other stuff like the editing and production feels too overwhelming, I wanted to let you know about the people who now edit and produce my podcast, which is Pretty Easy Podcasts. And for the first year and a half of my podcast, I was doing everything myself and I had tried to contract out editing and it was really got some really, really bad (laughs) results. So I was hesitant to try again, but I'm so glad that I did because working with Pretty Easy Podcasts has been so amazing. They can get your shows recorded, posted with a complete podcast studio at your disposal. You could record from home, your office or the park or really anywhere. And then they totally cater to your schedule and It's just so easy to work with them. I cannot say enough good things. So if it's been on your mind to do a podcast, then definitely check out Pretty Easy Podcast at prettyeasypodcast.com and sign up today. It's super affordable and it's so fun working with them. So definitely check it out.